Welcome to the Young Man with Reeves. We share the journey of a young man and the simple story. Welcome aboard. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode. Of course, you know it's Young Man. My my name is Reeves. I'm your host. Every time I come here, disturbing your ears with amazing guests. Um, coming to share their wonderful story and you, you know this is the fourth season that we are on now and I have my very good friend I will tell you how I met him um, after reading a couple of things for him but I just want you to meet him first before I tell you how I met him so his name is Oriyomi Oniru popularly known as 16 Oniru he's a professional stand-up comedian and master of ceremony with over a decade experience on the job Oniru is known to to deliver service with class and poise. He has worked with top organization brands like Nigerian Institute of Quality Surveyors, Coca-Cola, 11PLC, UAC Foods, MTN, KPMG, and a few others. Outside of the corporate world, he has performed in several comedy shows and compared uh, several social gatherings. You know, this is a very humble introduction. He sent it to me. I know so many things about him. First of all, he came from, he comes from a royal family and he's a very humble guy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know how we do. Can we give 16 Oniro the young man welcome? Welcome to the show, boss. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so let me just tell you a quick story, right? In okay. my former country, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm telling my people, right? So, oh no, Allah. <laughs> so, my former company back in Nigeria, yeah, I'm at work in one of the days. I can't remember if someone, Oniru, I don't know if someone gave you my number or you just walked into the office. No, I just walked in. Uh. Yeah. So he, he wanted to do a transaction. So I met him, and I already know him because I know his friends, yeah, Alibaba, and Forever, a couple of other people. Not personally, but I mean, I follow comedy and I see him. So I was like, was, you know, starstruck. Was like, hey, I met him and then we got talking. You know, he told me, oh, he told me he's a comedian. I said, yeah, I already know you. I know who you are. So finally, I don't I don't think we actually pulled through with the, com, com, uh, with the transaction, but I think it was destiny bringing us together. Guess what? This happened like, I don't know if you can remember, I think it was like five years ago or so. About 2017, yeah. 20, early 2018, exactly. or 2017. Yeah, so we exchanged numbers. You know, we've had um, each, other, each other's number and it's one guy that has so many success in his life and he doesn't even bring an air to our conversation. When he met me, it was my lowest point. Like, he doesn't even know who I am. He just collected my number. Oh, he met this guy somewhere in VI. You know, and just to tell you, tell you the kind of person he is, you know. So thank you for that, to be honest. Thank you. And, you know, these people like you make uh, meeting people very, very easy. And then, of course, making, you know, meeting people very, very approachable. A lot of people, they have a lot of success that you have, but they are not very approachable. You know what I mean? And I chat with you once, once, and you'll be like, oh, Rins, I even laugh at some content I put out, you know, and it means a lot someone like you laughing at what I put out. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Yeah, thank you for that. So, I first of all, the first time I met you perform was in Circles event. 
um, in I think somewhere in Ikeja. That was oh, mid five. Oh, that, oh wow, that was uh, Shiba, <laughs> Shiba Center. Yeah, yeah. That was special. Yeah, yeah. like the bank anyway. Exactly. So I was in Sako's event. You performed. You know, a lot of people. Damola was there. You were there. Forever yeah. was there. You know, you all of them are just there. You know, so and of course I took notes. So that's why I said, oh, when I saw you, I was like, I know him. I know him as a comedian. You know, all that. You know, thank you for the fact the longest time I've known you. You've been, um, you've been a good, a good person. Just hanging in. Wow, that's yeah. so what that's is great. your name? <laughs> I know I have a lot of questions for you, right? And I know when you go for interviews, people ask you the same question. But why is sixteen in your name? Okay, well, I I like that you are asking. This, this is better. Yesterday, I I I performed at uh, Baba's Comedy Club. Okay, and and, and when he introduced me, he was like, "This person coming up, uh, his stage name is his address." Okay, you know, and I had to come up and I said, "16 on you is not my address." <laughs> In fact. If you know me very well, I've been living like a nomad since I married. Before you know, I'm in this area. Before you yeah. know, I've moved. <laughs> Before you know, I've moved again. Yeah. So that's where you know, 16 Oniru cannot even be my address. <laughs> you know? So I had to now explain how I came about the name. Well, um, 16 Oniru is a name that um, I got in the... Uh, how would I put it now? Well, let me just start like this. I started comedy sometime around 2009. Yeah. Not professionally, but I had always just desired to be a comedian at the mm-hmm. back of my mind. Yeah. Somehow, because I didn't see myself as a nine-to-five guy. And um, so in 2009, I had, or 2008, I had been called to MCA program, to co-MCA program in my mm-hmm. church with a friend of mine. Yeah. And in the course of the MC that we did, she took everything she did was quite serious. Okay. And everything I handled was quite jovial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, it's not, I didn't go with any joke, but because it was a place I was very familiar with the audience, I was able to just relate in a way that made people laugh that even the guest pastor that yeah. came, he kind of noticed and said, nobody knows the way these guys were making people laugh. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows if comedy will pay him tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. I remember, you know, and shortly, though I was in the drama team as well, and most of the dramas we did, as serious as we always came up, the church mm-hmm. always found one reason to laugh somewhere mm-hmm. within the drama. Mm-hmm. And so one day someone called me from the church and said, ah, we have somebody that wants to wear though. Can you do the MC? And I said, ah, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Luckily for me, the coordinator of the team, he was a event, an events videographer. Yeah. So I went to him, I got a CD of a wedding he had covered and I watched mm-hmm. what the MCs did. Oh, wow. Yes. And I just took notes. I saw the way they ran through the wedding reception program. So I listed everything out like that. And I, and funny enough, that wedding was a worry wedding. Oh, wow. It was a worry wedding in Lagos, you know, and I did it and it turned out really nice. So mm. after that, you know, people were always, oh, comedy, comedy, comedy. It just came up like that. And I started looking for a stage name. Yeah. And so one day, I was reading my Bible and I was reading this 
Psalm 127. Okay. And as I was re- I was reading, it was as if the words turned into pictures or mm. or video. I saw myself telling jokes using that Bible passage, and mm-hmm. a stage name came to my head based on my position in my family. Oh, oh, oh I see. Yes. Mm. So it's more from my position in the family I come from out of my dad's children. My dad had, I think we're about 22 or 23 children. Mm. And I'm actually number 17. But I had done the calculation in the past and I think I skipped one sibling. So I found myself on number 16. Number 16. (laughs) Yes. And that was how the name came up and it stuck. Mm. And that's how I've been using it since then. So that's how 16 on Nero came. You you know, you know, talking about your family, right? Yeah. You someone of you come from a royal family. Right? Yes. And these days, of course, royalty means a lot. And for me, I'm just taken aback as to your kind of person, right? You okay. are very unassuming. You you come from royalty and you are very humble. Uh-huh. Words don't be in the same sentence. You, you know what I mean? Uh, okay, well, I, I like this direction that you are going. So continue. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it, it baffles me. Like, it doesn't mean that royalty didn't have a lot of influence on you. If it did, how did you, like, change it to, like, be, because the truth is, I, I'm not saying it because I know you so much. I wouldn't say I know you so much. Yeah, I know. I'm saying that as at the time I met you, where I was, as I did, okay, let me even tell you, I was earning 90k when you, when I met you. You came okay. with your car, you were a big boy, uh, right? And you even gave me your personal line. That's why I even had this number 10 now. Yeah. Okay, and you didn't give me because you saw me in a work setting. Let me ask you, can you say, right, I have your number? You're like, oh, yeah, I could take your number. And normally, in a work setting, I'm not meant to have a client number, but I mean... I'm oh, yeah. Like well, you know, <laughs> I didn't take... I didn't I didn't give you my number based on how we met, you know? Yeah. It's not like I wouldn't have still given you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? But based on the fact that you made it clear that mm. you knew me. Yeah. You are, which it was a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. And then you told me that you were in the comedy business as well. So mm-hmm. immediately, you know, I've already seen you as my colleague. Yeah. Do you understand? So yeah, yeah that just made it easy. Mm-hmm. So, but on the other thing that you're saying about the whole royalty thing, yeah. I, I like the question. And mm-hmm. this is why I like it. Because uh, you said you said humility and royalty is like it, it doesn't mix. <laughs> but yeah. I think that's I think that's a very disastrous narrative. Not from mm-hmm. you now. Yeah, yeah. From the people who push it out. Because true. true. Um being well, coming from a royal family mm-hmm. does not necessarily make us better than every other person. Yeah. Yes, uh, it has its advantages and it has a lot, a lot, mark my words, a lot Mm. of disadvantages too. Mm. So, um, the things that have shaped me to be the kind of man that I am are not totally because I'm from the family that I come from. 
Mm. First, uh, I'll give credit to God mm-hmm. and I'll give credit to God for the mother that he used to bet me. Mm. My mom raised me to be a fine gentleman. So when people are talking about me, uh, prince, uh, son of a king, blah, 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 many people don't know that I did not grow in the palace. My mom refused to live in the palace. Oh. Yes. So I grew up in an area in Lagos State called Ajawa Estate. Ajawa Estate, no Ajawa Estate. Yes, that's I grew. I spent the first 27 years of my life in Ajawa Estate. It was marriage that moved me out. Hmm. Yes. So God blessed me with a beautiful wife and a gracious woman in the mm-hmm. same estate. And once we married, both of us moved out mm-hmm. to start our life. So right now, as I'm speaking to you, I'm just like maybe two or three minutes drive from from Oniro now. Mm-hmm. But I'm not totally in Oniro, you know, yeah. but I'm not far at all. Yeah. You understand? But I mm-hmm. did not grow up in the palace. In fact, yeah. all my life, all my life, I don't think I have spent 50, 50 days that's sleeping in my Together. dad's palace. Ah, okay, yeah. maybe when my dad when my when my dad became a king, I was in the palace for a while mm-hmm. in preparation for the coronation because mm-hmm. I played a little role there and I was there for a while. Okay. But in all, in all, I don't think I have slept in my dad's palace for hundred days in all my life. Hmm. Yes. I don't think I've slept there for up to 100 days. Mm. So, um, we thank God for my mom. So, I think the kind of upbringing that she gave, be a gentleman, be good, be kind, uh, don't fight for property, mm. be godly. My mom, we were prop- I w- I were practically church people. But yeah. by the time by the time all my teenage years and all those formative years, I was a church boy because my mom was always going to church. Yeah. So that's how people even knew me in the Ajayi said that's how the church boy, that's what some people used to call me. Wow. Yes, you know. So all of those upbringing, I just tried to merge it with the fact that, okay, if you are a king's son, then they, they see a particular way that you should carry yourself. You can't carry yourself like a nuisance. You can't carry yourself like a tout. Mm. You should. You need to carry yourself with some form of um, dignity. True. Yes. So those were the kind of things that shaped my mindset and my behavior. Do you understand? So if I will first give the credit to the way my mom raised me, and then I looked at the family background that I came from, mm. and I saw that this is the way that once you actually behave, if you are a king's son, I'm, I'm purposely using king's son against prince because I did not grow up in the palace. Do you understand? Oh, <laughs> do, you, do you get mm. so? So yeah, you know, when I graduated from secondary school in 2003, I won only one award on my graduation day. Mm-hmm. In secondary school, and it was award for the most well-behaved boy. Mm. And it, that doesn't mean that I wasn't mischievous in one way or the other. I still, you know, I still had my mischievous, you know, um, behaviors. Teenager, secondary school, and all. But in inside, you can always tell that this person is a good boy. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah. So that's practically it. Because I don't see any reason why you should carry yourself with pride because your father is a king you know it's your father that is the king number one is not you <laughs> it's true right 
And I've, I've also noticed too that the kind of people that a king uses to surround himself will shape the behavior of that king. Mm -hmm. If you put a lot of psychophants who make you believe that everything you do is right, you end up becoming a proud king. Exactly. Where nobody can tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. Nobody can look you in the face and say, ah, sorry, sir. With all the respect, this thing that you did is wrong. Yeah. If you have only yes men around you, you will not make a good king. Mm. And you know, um, Oniru, the of course your career choice, which is comedy, it's not also in the same. You know, if you're making a statement, someone I mean, like you say, oh, you you are king son. Yeah. And the choice of career is comedy. So if we are making a statement, we shouldn't even put that um, together. But I am so also thrilled as to how you choose something that you love, right? Regardless of where you're coming from, because yeah. we, we all know the you know, we know the drill. A lot of questions will be like, "Oh, you're a king son. Why this?" Even commoners, like let me not use the word commoners. Even like normal people, they would the father would ask, "Why comedy?" Talk more of someone like you that is a king son. Mm -hmm. And now you're making a name for yourself. Now my question is why? Uh well um well from the time I got to secondary school, more specifically now, I just I noticed that I was a funny guy. Okay. <laughs> I had it in me, you know, to just be able to say or do things that make people laugh. Mm -hmm. um, but even at all those times, I never saw myself as becoming a comedian. Yeah. I just knew that, you know, I, I could make people laugh within a gathering of people that I'm very familiar with. Mm -hmm. Then uh, getting into the university, I got exposed to comedy. I started seeing some Night of a Thousand Love videos yeah. mm -hmm. from my hundred level. I started knowing about comedians, Alibaba, mm -hmm. uh, Clint the Drunk, Gandoki, I Go Die. Yeah. As I progressed through school, I got exposed to other people like Basketman, Bovi, mm -hmm. and I would always watch those, you know, um, Night of a Thousand Love videos. Mm -hmm. But even at all these times, the best I was able to do then was to say, okay, oh, this is the joke this person said. Then I, I, I go in the midst of my friends that have not heard the joke before. And then I re-say the joke. Yeah. That, oh, this is the joke. I heard this joke on the show and I say it and everybody will laugh. And mm -hmm. basically that was, that was it. Like mm -hmm. I never did proper comedy in the uni. And then I graduated and I was in a drama team and from nowhere, you know, they just asked me to come and anchor a program first. And after that, take this wedding and help us to mm -hmm. MC. It was after that that I said, okay, so let's give this a shot. And, you know, I went through that. Then uh, my experience, a bit of my experiences being a king son. Exactly. You know, some sweet parts, some bitter parts mm. uh, were able to shape the stories that I can tell. Because mm. if you listen to my comedy, mm. most times you notice that it revolves, a lot of it revolves around my experiences coming from a royal polygamous family, mm -hmm. my marriage. Mm. My comedy is there's a lot of internal 
stuff mm-hmm. environment mm-hmm. the family that i come from uh the wife i married and then i have a number of gist about you know church upbringing to you know growing up in church and stuff yeah so those are the things that really shape my comedy like most times you, you won't really hear me doing a lot of jokes about politics mm-hmm. society at large because the way i do my comedy is mainly about how i have experienced life so far true uh-huh. so those things that have been the background those things have been like the background or the platform that i run on coming from a royal family uh my marriage church but you know on occasion yes i'll try and touch on other things but the core yeah is from those things so yes that's 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 how royalty has helped in my own in my own um career yeah, now okay um sorry let me quickly say the family that i come from as well i noticed that i have a number of funny siblings Okay. I have hilarious mm. brothers. I have some hilarious I have hilarious cousins. Mm. But then, you know, it's usually all this when we sit down together, people are just talking and making yeah. people laugh. But mm. I just feel God now said it's not nice that all these people are just funny and there's nobody that is taking this talent out there. Just mm-hmm. where's that boy? Just pack the talent there and give him, let him go and do. Because <laughs> I shock myself too. I'm too reserved a person. Mm-hmm. And uh people with my kind of temperament are not usually in comedy. I am I am way too, too reserved, even for myself. I'm way too reserved for myself. That's not true. I I I I know some comedians that are very chilled. Um I don't know if you know uh what's this guy's name? Uh, uh, uh it's coming. Is is a white guy. He's very calm. Like he he talks the way you talk. I'm telling you his post is an, an annoyingly funny when he talks. I mean, so Ricky. Um, yeah, 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 Ricky. Yeah, you know him. Okay. Yeah, yeah and he's um, curse. Yeah, and I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when people see you and you say you're a comedian and yeah. they and they've known you to be this reserved person, or mm-hmm. they can tell from mm-hmm. how they're looking at you that you're a reserved person, they mm-hmm. don't. They won't usually believe that you're probably going to be funny because That's somehow we, we have tied comedy to extroverted people. Exactly. We have tied comedy to people that have nuisance values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, extremely sanguine people. Yeah. Mm. So when you see people who are reserved, you be like, what do you want to say that's going to make me laugh? You, you don't look like somebody that can do drama on stage, like, yeah. you know, uh, like run from one end of the stage to the other end in trying mm-hmm. to make people laugh. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, you know, some of us can actually stand in one spot and blow your mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I don't think there are a lot of people like that that do comedy. But, you know, a few of us are. So that's what I'm saying. Even me, myself, it yeah, shocks me yeah, that I'm yeah. able to, I, see I point guess point. maybe being a part of drama from a young age has helped. I've been in drama since secondary school. So being on stage has not been a big deal for me, mm-hmm. you know. So um, 
I think when I, when it got to the issue of now doing comedy, he's still standing on stage and talking. I didn't find that part much of a challenge, but in Osha, we just thank God. Yeah, how did how did Daddy take your choice of career? Uh, initially, the first day I told him, he laughed. Although I I started work, I started working uh, a few years after I started comedy because okay. I I didn't. I didn't know how to go get into the industry proper, mm-hmm. you know. So it was more about people who called me for jobs from my church then. Okay. I didn't know how to network with people that were in the event until I joined Stand Up Nigeria. Oh. So uh, it was from there I started getting to meet a few people, you know. Uh, so... I I did a bit of nine to five for like two years from 2011 to 2013. And then 2013, I resigned fully. Mm-hmm. I started doing comedy. So it was there. I told my dad, he first laughed. It was, and his, his laughter first came from the fact that I'm not a talk, talkative person. Yeah, yeah. You know, so he just laughed and we left it like that, <laughs> you know. And at some point, I had the first gig for the family in 2014, 2015. Mm-hmm. 2015, September 11th, my dad's first wife turned 70. Okay. And they already knew I was doing comedy. Yeah. So they just told me that I should help them get an MC. Mm-hmm. So I got my friend Damola. Yeah, not Damola. Yeah. And I told her that me and Damola would do it. Okay. And so in the course of that program, you know, there are some programs you go, you you just really forget your work as an MC because <laughs> you won't be able to do much. And it yes. turned out to be that kind of event because mm-hmm. we ended up doing acknowledgements from beginning to the end. Are you serious? Oh, it was, there were too many people. So we yeah. just kept acknowledging. So at the end of everything, I think both Damola and I were just able to share about two two jokes. Okay. But the good part was the jokes that I shared, my dad was there. Mm. He witnessed it and he had a good laugh. Yeah. And you know, uh Damola too, I was specific about the jokes I wanted Damola to say because he had this crazy Yoruba jokes that you know elderly people young people can can understand and have a good laugh and they share those jokes and my dad too had a good time so after we have done that you know we just continue with our acknowledgements and every other part of the event Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we ended up working with a musician that you know if you are Nemsey and you work with him just forget that you are working that day <laughs> so we did the bit we could do and then we just left everything so it, that, that was it it was good and then mm. that was it mm. all right all right ladies and gentlemen um we'll go on a quick break and then we'll come back continue talking with Kino Nero where he starts sharing some um how his experience has been in the industry his relationship with um the comedy king Alibaba and um, other projects that we expect from you see you soon you're now listening to the young man with dreams stay connected
Yeah. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to, um, of course, you know, is the fourth season. And I have here with me my very good friend, Sikhtin Onuri. He's been sharing about his background and comedy and the choice of life. And so I wanted to ask you, Sikhtin, yeah, you, you you come across as someone that have a good relationship with Alibaba and then you guys have done, you know, a couple of projects. And everybody knows if you want to do anything in the comedy industry, you have to reference Alibaba. How's that relationship? Well, I don't... Okay. Mm. First, um, I think a lot of people reference him, Mm. including me, because he kind of revolutionized this comedy we do into an industry. True. He will also tell you he's not the first comedian, Mm. but... He made the job of comedy a serious business. He made yeah. people take this comedy career as serious business. It's not the one of, oh, you're a comedian, come and crack joke. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You sit down, he will draft an invoice for you. Yeah. He will charge you how he's going to collect balance, how he's going to collect his advance and everything. So it 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 now it became a job that people could not just take for granted. Yeah. You know, so that way, uh, people usually give him reference because the respect that comedians enjoy today, mm. you know, uh, Alibaba has a big hand mm. because he broke out from just being funny to the business of, of being funny. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that way he gets a lot of reference because you were trying to say that you can't do you can't do a show without referencing Alibaba yeah. but for me uh, I reference him because I've had a very good relationship with him since 2013 mm-hmm. February 2013 I believe and uh, he's exposed me he's exposed me to quite a lot yeah. of stuff even outside comedy mm. in fact he's exposed me to more outside comedy than comedy <laughs> you get so I have a good good relationship with him. Mm. So I I honor him a lot. Mm. And it's usually hard for me not to talk about him because yeah. you know it's 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 been uh how would I put it now? It's been a sort of influence on me. Mm. Now uh you talked about being humble. Alibaba mm-hmm. is one of the people that I also got to learn humility from. Oh, oh yes, yes. I learned I learned a lot. And in my work with Alibaba in the last, this is 2023 now, so yeah, 10 years. Yeah. Alibaba is somebody that I learned from without him having to speak. True. He, I, I, I learned from his non- verbal communications mm. from his body language i i pick lessons mm. yes so uh we just thank god for that and he's somebody who has also opened himself up in the industry yeah he's not he's not a hard man to find true yes mm. true what about your show royal pains when is it coming back um well i i don't know I think you, I, the last one you did was 2017. Yes, 2017 was when I did Royal Pains, and it was I liked the show. 
Uh, I wish it could be more, but it was a show that I eventually really had to pipe down on the things I wanted to say mm. when I found out that a lot of people in my family picked interest yeah. because of the name. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. so um, I want. I'm. I'm still planning to have an uncensored version, mm-hmm. and uh, I plan not to invite people from my family. If you come, <laughs> you come at your own risk. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, you know, royal pens is a way for me to express my mind mm-hmm. to the world. That look, coming from a royal family doesn't mean that your life is all rosy. Exactly. There are a lot of pains disappointment that we have come we have encountered in life mm-hmm. and you know at the time they happen they are unpleasant mm-hmm. but being that i'm in this line of work you look at you look back at those things after a few years and they make you laugh exactly and then you can convert those experiences into good jokes with strong punchlines mm-hmm. right so um that's really the idea of royal pains it's not to um to insult people you know insult my family or anything like that mm-hmm. but i it's it's a, it's a kind of show that i i want to be comfortable when i'm doing it mm-hmm. so you know i don't want an issue of oh so it's me that you were talking about at uh, 30 minutes into the show. I'm the one that you were talking about, though you didn't mm-hmm. call my name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't want anything like that. There have been people who have done me good. There have been people who have done harm. Mm-hmm. You know, and there have been people who God has used to teach me lessons. Mm. So... um it's just it's just that way right so when the right time comes mm. we would we would we would still have another royal pens yeah. so the way i'm looking at it now the last time i did it it was more like it was like my family show yeah but i know you you didn't come for the show i would have seen you mm. if you came mm. my all was divided into two wow yes um it was like a wedding you know when you go for a wedding you are a master yeah. of ceremony now when you go for a wedding wife's family sits one side yeah. husband's family, yeah. that was how the show my family took one part of the hall jeez my guests took hmm. the other side of the hall wow yeah and i i don't want that kind of show again mm. i want my show to be balanced like yeah i don't want to even know where you are sitting mm-hmm you understand yeah so if you buy vvip table if you if at the time you are buying is table 15 that's available mm-hmm. sit on your table 15 i don't want to see your face mm-hmm. just be on stage and let me do my thing mm-hmm. do you understand that it's not a party it's mm-hmm. a show yeah it's a show yeah you know and um I it was you know it was a very well thought out show the way that I you know I I did tables it was yeah. all tables okay it was fully banquet mm. no it wasn't theater no no seat no mm-hmm. seat without a table so mm-hmm. what I did was you know you want the front most seats mm-hmm. there was a price you want the middle area there was a price mm-hmm. you want the back there was a price mm-hmm. and the things that we put on the table to keep the guests entertained were different. It's mm-hmm. like traveling first class and uh, economy. Economy, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah so, so that was the idea how... for the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
moving forward, I think having that your theater setting is best because exactly. when you put tables, you give room for a lot of distractions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's side talks. Yeah. But when everybody is sitting yeah. and facing the stage, mm. it's really hard for you to have all those distractions. So your your audience is able to focus on you and, and be more attentive. Mm-hmm. So going forward, you know, when, when I'm doing the next show, that's how it will be. But for now, I'm planning that I might do something small. Uh, I Forever's show was in May, and after I performed there, you know, I said, okay, it was like, Oniru, you need to do something soon, even if it's 400 people. Yes. Because I have quite a lot of stories to tell. And you know, the way I see myself, I don't see myself as a 10 minutes or five minutes comedian because mm-hmm. I tell stories. Yeah. So if you don't give me enough time, yeah, true, you won't get to the point line. Yeah. I won't enjoy myself and then I end up looking like I'm not funny mm-hmm. because everybody has their unique style. So because I've seen that's how I am. I've mm-hmm. actually seen that it's much better for me to do my own thing where I have enough time to yes, express sir. myself. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to doing something, you know, uh, in the near future. Yeah. You know, even if it's a small thing, but it will be well packaged, really well packaged and with excellent delivery and all. Nice. So when the time comes, you know, we would announce. Mm, nice, you know, and one of another thing I love I love about you is the fact that you always think outside the box. Even in marriage, you just went all the way to from a, to acquire bomb. Who does that? Like, <laughs> well, it's, that one is not thinking out, outside the box. So like, when you see when you see when you see good thing, oh, my brother, uh, better just jump on top of. I, I swear down. Like I'm just thinking, you come from royalty. At least you should you expected. I mean, you're from Yoruba, yeah. My brother, I bet everybody go sit down. <laughs> After all, based on my number in the family, you know, you know, she will say I go be king. So let me, <laughs> let me live my life. I beg. Oh my god, how has it been? Like you know, Yoruba, I'm quite warm. That mix. Very lovely. Very very lovely. Very very blessed. In fact, mm-hmm. you know. Um, my wife and I, we met in my former church when we were in Ajawa State there, and we were both in the drama team. Mm. And we used to act husband and wife a lot. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, from there, we became very good friends. And yeah. I just looked at uh, this husband and wife that we have been acting. It's been I want to turn it to reality. <laughs> You know, and so it's just been a blast from there. Mm. Mm. And you know, and the good thing is you are living your life. That's yes. that's that's that that's the ultimate thing. Like you, you are not even waiting real thing, you know. Like I mean, I live of course, you know, I live in England. Yeah. It's run by the royal family, yeah. And a lot of stories come from there. Recently the queen just died. Oh yeah. I did I did like I did 13 minutes mm-hmm. on the British royal family yesterday evening. Mm-hmm. That's my that's mm-hmm. my new my new set that I'm doing now started from when the queen died till yeah. how King Charles became king. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a very lovely set. Nice. Nice, nice. And it's, it's so beautiful because it's relatable for you. And oh, I'm, yes. In fact, every time I'm I, I'm doing the set, like people 
come back and they're like, you schooled us, you educated mm-hmm. us. Because I, I went to do a bit of research mm-hmm. and I compare what the English monarchy is like to the family that I come from. So the differences, mm-hmm. that's where I bring you know, the jokes from, from uh, the way Alibaba taught me in 2013, um, comparative jokes. Yeah. You look at A, you look at B, what mm-hmm. differentiates them, and then you mm-hmm. put it out there, and, it, you know, it's a good joke. So that's what I've been doing in recent times. Mm-hmm. So it's also kind of shaping my idea of my comedy now that, you know, I could really look for a lot of contrasting pairs mm. and start doing that comedy of comparisons. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Nice, nice. Well, um <laughs> we can go on and on talking, but um Oniri, thank you so thank you so much for your time. Really. No but problem at I all. Want you, I want you to just just talk to young people listening regarding their passion and this fear of not going in full time. And that's what you did. I just want you to speak a little bit about that. Did you have fears? If you had fears, how did you overcome it? I just want you to just speak to them and let, let them know that it's a worthy is a worthy venture to actually pursue your passion. Okay, well, um, it's a worthy it's a worthy venture to to pursue to pursue anything really. Um, you need to take the necessary risks. Of mm-hmm. course, everything looks scary at first, but you know the way they say it your success is at the other end of your fear mm-hmm. so once you can just push through um you see that you know you would overcome at the end of the day and before you know it you are the next role model you are the next person mm-hmm. everyone is chasing uh people see you and they are starstruck even when you think you are not yet a success people mm-hmm. see you and they are starstruck. Mm. So uh, follow your dreams, pursue, push through, uh, be driven, mm. and uh, please find worthy mentors. Very important. Mm. But most important, your gagbata of them mm. is that you cannot do without God. Exactly. Exactly. You cannot do it. There's no any success that anybody. In fact, there's no success without God because. Yeah. In the last two weeks, I've I heard four definitions of success. The four of them, the same, the same mm. from four different preachers. Mm. Yes, that success is doing what God told you to do mm-hmm. when God tells you to do it. Mm. How mm. God tells you to do it. Once you have done what God told you to do, that is success. Success mm-hmm. is not house. Success is not car. Yeah, yeah. In fact, success is not people. Mm. But it's people are people are a form of currency. Mm-hmm. But they are they are not necessarily success. I have seen people who have a lot of social. How would I put it now? I don't want to call it friendships. Yeah. But they know a lot of people. Yeah, social and capital. They, and maybe social capital. And they mistook these people for their friends mm. until the time came when they needed friends. And it was these same people that turned against them. I have seen it. Yes. So even having a lot of friends is not necessarily success. If exactly. it's two or four or six, you have hold them tight. True. 
and make sure that you and your friend what actually keeps your friendship fire burning is that you people have shared values mm. 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 so that's wow. basically it thank you so much thank you no problem at all thank you how, thank how, you for having me oh sure 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 anytime how do we contact you like on social okay, email social or? media um my instagram handle is at at 16 onero that's one six mm-hmm. figure one six figure then o-n-i-r-u mm. all small letter my surname is in small letter and then 16 is one and six and then onero that's on twitter instagram and uh, thread then mm. on facebook facebook did not allow me use alphanumeric yeah pattern to to have my handle so the 16 on facebook is in roman figure so on facebook i am comedian xvi xvi is roman figure for 16 Mm. xvi onero okay yes you've heard it guys guys thank you so much for your time 16 thank you thank, thank you thank you so so good to have been on your podcast yeah thank you thank you so much all right guys thank you come to the end of this you know how we do every friday we'll drop you a new episode and until next time keep being inspired bye Wow. wow, thank you so much, guys, for being with me till the end of this particular episode. And I hope you enjoyed it. See you next Friday. Keep being inspired. Bye. The Young Man with Dreams. <laughs>